0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host.
1: I'm your host, Jason Gordiano. Our show guest is Father Michael Oswald, pastor of St. Benedict's Roman Catholic Church in Lacey Spring, Alabama. Welcome, Father, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me again. It's
0: always a pleasure uh, to speak with you.
1: Yes, thank you, Father. Uh, How's uh, life in Alabama? It's slow when it's cold, um, but it's, it's very nice and very good for a contemplative uh, lens, for sure. Good to hear. Uh, so we'll be hearing more from you about escaping the Novus Ordo, but first some of our housekeeping. Restoration Radio is pleased to present Escape from the Nova Ordo free of charge to our listeners by the generous sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. That's novusortowatch.org. Are you wondering what has happened to the Roman Catholic Church? Are you confused, shocked, alarmed at what Francis has been saying recently? then log on to novasordo.watch.org for traditional Catholic news and information with insightful commentary and razor-sharp analysis. Since 2002, Novusorto Watch has been exposing the Vatican II Church and its false popes by comparing and contrasting their new religion with the true religion, the modernist Novusorto teachings with the teachings of the Catholic Church. Go to novasordo.watch.org. that's novasordo.watch.org to see why Francis is not a true pope, and how the modernist Vatican II sect differs from the Catholic Church. That's novosortowatch.org. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit restorationradionetwork.com, go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. If you are not a member and would like to purchase an individual episode, go to restorationradionetwork.com, navigate to the episode of your choice, and simply click the links below the player on the page. After completing your purchase, you will be emailed a secure download link. Restoration Radio episodes are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are listening to our content in iTunes or Stitcher, please be sure to leave us ratings and reviews. This will help those who are searching for truly Catholic programming to more easily find our content. You may find the links to these two syndicates on our homepage. On this episode of Escape from the Nova Sordo," we're going to be discussing a comparison between the Nova Sordo sect and Roman Catholicism, the four marks of the Nova Sordo, versus the four marks of the Church. As a reminder, the purpose of this show is to help give encouragement and guidance from a true Catholic priest, Father Michael Oswald, joining us on this episode in becoming a Catholic in order to save your soul. In our last episode, recognizing the problem we established that a prayer life, prayer and devotions are mandatory, to ask to see the truth, and that faith is not a feeling. So now we hope to speak about starting to do something about it. An obvious comparison to make between the Ordo sect, the new religion of Vatican II, and Roman Catholicism would be the Mass. But, uh, Father, I thought it would be appropriate to start with the doctrines behind the Mass.
0: Absolutely, yes. The, the, of course, the Mass is the visible understanding or the visible worship of the Church, but in, within the Mass contains, of course, all the dogmas and doctrines of the Church. and so. Certainly, uh, it's always good to look at the roots uh, of one of the problem um, and to see the bad or good fruits from it. So, yeah.
1: Father, where does one begin to research this change and contradiction between the Novus Ordo sect and Roman Catholicism? If you begin to suspect that what you're observing in your Novus Ordo parish isn't Catholicism, where do you begin to find the true faith? Well,
0: that's always a, a good question. Is you know when you begin to look and see in in your local parish a lot of things that are not um well they they strike you as being odd or different or you know not uh uh, it just doesn't doesn't sense of 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 catholicism is that you then are then have the duty then to pursue that and say okay what exactly is that so if you have, like, let's say you have a preacher, um, in, you know, in, in the homily at the, at the Novus Ordo, and he begins to say obvious, blatant heresies, well, then you have to say you have to begin to look at that and say, wait a minute, where do I find where that's wrong or that's right? I mean, it could be, and so you have to go basically and. The easiest way to do it is to go to the old catechisms, you know, the basic catechism, because we're talking really ultimately about basic truths. And for the most part, and I, I can attest to myself, it's been in the 70s and and, um, and and 80s, and and so the catechesis within the Novus Ordo, which I was a, a part of, I mean, I was the product in a sense of, is is very very minimal or low. And so you really don't know even the basic understanding of what the faith is. Uh, the Catholic identity is not really there. But yet <clears throat> there's certain things, uh, blatant things that often can be happening in the parish or be said in the in a homily or can be, uh, you know, different with the liturgy, etc. You know, that it just, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be wild and crazy like some parishes are. Um, but yet, you do have then to investigate that and say, "Wait a minute, what's going on here?" And really, the best thing uh, I found, one of my initial um, baby steps, I guess you could say, first was I just went to the old catechism, I went to the Baltimore Catechism, I went to the Catechism of the Council of Trent, and I looked and said, "Wait a minute, what, this is what's being said, or this is what's happening." Um, you know, this has this always been this way, or has been taught, and and. So it's it's you you kind of start off uh, on the on the basic of the easiest way is again there's the, there's the catechism and I I would uh, of course being the Novus Ordo has their catechism but that's often very um, verbose and very um, con it's very grave in some areas and very uh, but it's strictly Vatican too so look back, I would, to the old catechisms, kind of familiarize yourself with that and look at the basic, the clear understanding of, of what's being taught there. And, you know, it's question and answer, yes, but there's expound uh, other catechisms, like there's uh, My Catholic Faith, um, which is a very good um, catechism as well, which expounds more upon um, the dogmas and doctrines in the in the catechism. And then you begin to get an understanding of what has always been taught. And then you begin to compare again and, and say, wait a minute, what is what is uh how is that different? What am I seeing that's different? And you're beginning you that's the first kind of step and then from there you can go to a, a greater understanding, a greater search and you can go to maybe like the old encyclicals of the popes of of Pius uh, Pope St. Pius the Tenth or or Pius the Twelfth or Pius the Ninth or or Leo the Thirteenth or any of those and they're readily available online. Um, you can get them very easily, and you can read, uh, begin to read some of uh, their encyclicals where they are warning and condemning what you often will see in your local Vatican II parish, and and so that's kind of a, the 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 beginning process of it. Of and and to you, but the key is, I mean, one has to when one begins to see something or begins to not kind of sit right in a sense, one has to allay that. One has to investigate that and to resolve that doubt or resolve that um, you know, that's, uh, misunderstanding and whether it be um, whatever it may be in whatever area. And so, you know, we, in other words, we have to do our homework. Um, it's uh, So that, that's kind of, but really you have to start simply. Because it really doesn't. One doesn't have to be a a theologian to see the fruits of Vatican II, or see the fruits of what's going on. And and, you know, you can look and see the effect of the things that you can see. There's just the, and then you kind of begin to look to what's the cause of it. Um, But the effects are easily and readily readily available and to be seen for all. I mean, especially if one is. Is, is more of the, I guess you can say, conservative bent uh, in, in regards to, within Vatican II, so you're trying to, you know, live as, as Catholics have always lived, And but what you're seeing is not is not bread given to you, it's, you know, rocks and scorpions, and you're saying well, something then has to be at fault or wrong, um, and then you begin to investigate that.
1: Yes, Father, and in the, and when you're in the Nova sort of usually you you don't even learn your catechism, so it wouldn't be too hard to actually go and independently study and fill your mind with with what is with what is the Catholic faith because we in the secular world, if you're so worldly, you, it's so easy to spend your time with the media and television, but why not actually learn the faith and then see where that takes you.
0: Exactly. It's it's not I mean, it's not like I said you don't have to read long theological tracts, and I mean, one could, I suppose, but uh, you know, you you get to begin to get to the basics, back to the basics, in a sense, and you, you get to see, you know, our, our, that's one grand and wonderful thing about our faith, which it, it's it's very logical, it's very open. I mean, it's very obviously there's great and grand mysteries, but yet everything's clear. There's not you know there's not kind of a a gray area in like what should i believe or what you know what am i supposed to believe that's it's always been taught this is what you must believe to be a catholic and if you don't believe in one little section of that or one little point of that then you know you put yourself outside the church in that regard so one has to know their faith uh, but it's not again rocket science per se i mean grand it's our faith is is the breadth and the width of our faith. I mean, one. I mean, it's it's ma I mean, it's our, it's massive. But nonetheless, is that you know there's certain main elements and things of the faith that we must know and we must uh, understand. Um, and it, but it's there. It's always been taught there. And uh, and so it's it's at our fingertips to do so. And uh, and if one is beginning to have questions of seeing certain things like that again. I would stay, the best thing to do is if, if you want to read some of the things of, from Vatican II itself, like the catechism or, you know, their catechism or um, even their canon law or you know, whoever, or even those, you know, whatever they may have. But then, you know, do the, do yourself, uh, do oneself, I should say, a, a a favor and say, okay, that's what that says. Now I'm going to look back and see what was been said prior to Vatican II, because there's the crux of the situation. Is that you know if you read things from Vatican II, only from things from Vatican II of understanding that, then you're going to get basically just what Vatican II says. But if if you begin to realize and begin the question, okay, there's a cause, there's something causing that's all these errors, these these kind of bad things that are going on. There's there's a cause to it. And uh, then you begin to say, okay, what then has the Church always taught? And you begin to compare and contrast between prior Vatican II and Vatican II. And you begin to then see, the lights will begin to come on and say, you know, what is being taught is not just presented in a different light, is what Vatican II says, it's actually a new, a new teachings, new doctrines, new dogmas. Um, so. But you have to you have to look at the total breadth uh, of of the church and that's what she's always believed and taught and not just from Vatican two on. Um so which is I know in seminary for myself, uh that's all we were taught. I mean, we rarely were taught anything prior to Vatican two, rarely. Um, it was always post you know, Vatican two or post Vatican two and, and that's all our morality, all our theology, nearly all our theology was from Vatican II theologians or post Vatican II theologians. So, you know, we didn't necessarily get the whole breadth of what the church has always taught, other than just to say occasionally, well that's not we don't believe that
1: anymore. We don't the church doesn't teach that anymore. Well, okay. But Yeah, there's a lot of that we don't do that anymore and and that's the danger though, father, that If the Catholic Church is, you know, a set of directions of how to save your soul, but then what you learn is the Vatican II Church, then you're going to be in trouble.
0: Exactly, and and there's you have to kind of take a step back and begin to ask some general questions. And a lot of times in Vatican II, again, you'll hear things like, "Well, we don't teach that anymore," or "We don't believe that anymore," and then you have to ask, "Well, why?" Um, Then you just kind of have to go back again to the very bare bones and basic um you know the the philosophical understanding of say even truth and you have to understand you know does truth then change because if it was true for prior to Vatican II for one thousand nine hundred and sixty two years then why is it not true now? And so you begin to again go back again to the very kind of basic understanding of certain things. And again you know, when that's one of the things Vatican II certainly has, ha, and, and modernists have certainly done, they've rejected the scholasticism, the, the backbone, the philosophical understanding of the church, because it was black and white, is that, you know, you have truth, There's it's either true or not true, you can't, you know, there's a non-contradictory thing going on there, you can't, contradict you know, uh, truth does not contradict itself, is that it's either true or it's not true, and there's no no gradations to truth, it's either true or not. And so, once you begin to have those basic concepts, those basic understandings, and then begin to apply them to what you're seeing, then you begin to ask those general questions. Why Why was it a sin to worship with heretics, uh, to, to, you know, f- for the Church has always taught that, but now, for Vatican II and post-Vatican II, it's no longer a sin. And in fact, I mean, it almost seems like, and although they haven't said it explicitly, but it seems like it'd be a sin to say you can't do it or, or a sin to not worship with heretics now. So, you know, why, what has changed? And if it was, you know, the, the nature of things do not change and truth does not change and it can change. And that, so if truth is God, of course, uh, God is truth, um, then God obviously, obviously doesn't change. Then the church then herself, Cannot change, and she not, cannot change her truth, her doctrines and dogma, which is, of course, coming from God's mouth. So, you know, l- those general questions then begin to pop up in your mind when you're beginning to see these things, and you then you, you you begin to have to again do your homework. You have to begin to kind of put things uh, together, and again, it's your basic sort of catechism. Within.
1: Yes, Father. So in the Novus Ordo sect, they still do say in the creed, "I believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church." But because of modernism, that doesn't mean the same thing as when a Catholic recites, "I believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church."
0: Yes, that's very uh, very true. Because what modernism and modernists have done is they've they've taken the words, the Catholic words, that. You know, the, the words take like faith. When you present what faith is to a to a Catholic, I mean or has always been taught is is different to what a modernist says. A modernist will say faith is your inner feeling of your inner um understanding, your inner feeling of of your desire for god etc it's all coming from like and in, with inside oneself well no faith is outside of oneself it's a adherence to the objective truths of the catholic faith uh, in one's intellect and you submit to it and, and that's you know you, you believe and that's the faith so they change the meaning to many of the words so even with um with one you know the the understanding of the mark of the church, the first mark of the church, is, is one. Is well, what does you know? What does that mean? That means well. I mean, it's it's fairly simple in regards to when one says one is that our Lord, of course, intended his church to be to be one, and therefore, of course, the Catholic Church must be one, meaning that all its members must be united in doctrine and worship, in worship and in, and in government, and. So that one is that, that unity of belief. And you know, that's it's again it's 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 truth. It's it's believing the truth, but truth is either it is either true or not. But with um with Novosorto and the modernists, their idea of one is not believing everyone believing that, and worshiping and believing this and, and governing the, the same thing in, in union and that it's this sort of vague one being, we're all one family, but we just have different opinions and different ideas and different truths that sure we can, but there's a somehow a general common denominator that we have. And that, that's the kind of one that they're talking about. And so it's, it's, Really, quite different from the true mark of the church, and so it, you know you can again take that very basic understanding of of of, of the uh, of the understanding of the of the face of one, and just kind of begin to compare and contrast. Like, okay, what? Where do you see the one in, in unity in doctrine in worship and governments within the Ordo. And you can't say that there's a a one as the Church has always understood it.
1: Father, so these four marks of the Church, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic, this is how we're able to identify the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So with Vatican II, now when they say one Church, one Church of Christ, they just say it subsists in the Catholic Church. How is that not compatible with Roman Catholicism.
0: That's, uh, you know, that's the, in in my opinion, and I think in, in many of other traditional Catholic opinions, is, is that that's sort of the linchpin for the rest of the differences of Vatican Jews, because what that goes to is the heart of the church, is the nature of the church. And the church has always taught, always said, that the church of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is the Catholic church. Period. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's the truth. You know, it's either true or it's not. So the Church of Christ is the Catholic Church. So if one would draw that on a on a chalkboard, you would draw, okay, this is the Church of Christ. This is a circle, and then the Church of Christ then is the Catholic Church. And then you and you draw the same circle on the same thing with the because it's this one and the same. And outside of that, of course, is all error. I mean, so it's only the Catholic Church. Now with Vatican II and one of the things they've done in their documents and is that they've replaced that that very clear that very black and white understanding that the church has always taught is your you right they said now the Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church well what does that mean I mean it means that now somehow there's this grand there's a sort of a grander sort of church then the Catholic Church, although the Catholic Church possesses, they say, the fullness of it, but it leaves open and leaves room then for every other, quote-unquote, churches or ecclesiastical communities or whatever they want to call to be a part of that too as well. So you're dividing, in a sense, the truth. Is that you somehow then you say, well, they're in partial communion with the church or there's partial truth there, partial this or what have you. Well, that's an absurd philosophical understanding it'd be like saying that well my right side of my body is is uh, in union with the church but my left side is not no that makes no sense that you either are or aren't and so to to play with that sort of language and this is something that the modernists were very good at and are very good at is that words mean something I mean they always mean something that, that philosophical and theological language is always very precise is that you know if if you even change one letter sometimes like with the the greek you know uh, um you know the the um understanding of either that uh, the son is of like the father's substance or is consubstantial on the father they're one and the same you know, just is one I, you change, put one I in, in that word, and it changes the whole meaning. But so language is very precise uh, mm-hmm. in, in in what you have. And so the little play that they did there with that, of, of, substu- of substituting is with subsist in, was just that. It made it very ambiguous, which then drives, you know, the ecumenism or false ecumenism that you have now, which opens the door, ultimately saying, that the, that the Catholic Church, then, is really one of many. Um, it's not, you know, that our Lord somehow really has... Ultimately, what it's saying is that our Lord somehow started many churches, then, um, because then, you know, you have this sort of ambiguous, larger church, which is somehow everyone Earth can be a part of, rather than just the Catholic Church.
1: So this, Father, kind of carries over into... Everyone is just expressing the same faith in a different way. So it would now it kind of makes sense looking back why they wouldn't throw the hammer down on "quote unquote" heterodox behavior in the, the Novus Ordo or uh, "quote unquote" Catholic politicians.
0: Right. It leaves the door open for basically.
1: Well, I mean, ultimately, when you have to again take a
0: step back and you say what you have within the Novus is you have really two different groups within the sort of itself. Is you have the conservatives, those who are more, you know, trying to be Catholic. They're trying to adhere to what the Church teaches. They want to be faithful. They want to be faithful, and they they have a, at least a, a maybe a, um, a a general understanding of what the Church has always taught. And then you have, of course, on the other side, you have the liberals or the progressives, or at least you know, the understanding that there is. And I think we touched on that at uh, last uh, uh, show. But so in of itself, if you have that division, and and they both both camps will say something different. Again, you can take any any um, any uh, topic, uh, whether it be morality even or whatever. Say again, abortion. Just take abortion. Conservatives will say, of course, that's a sin. I mean, obviously, as you can't. Uh, but then many of the liberals will say, no, it's you have, you know, a lot of liberal, uh, you know, Vatican II nuns who are saying, oh, they promoting for abortion or what have you. Or you have, you know, they're saying it's okay to do it or something or they just, you know, certain circumstances, et cetera. Well, then basically what you have is a, you have a difference of, Opinion, ultimately, on what the faith says, and but the all but then, everyone's still Catholic, and so the only time you'll hear often, um, or at least uh, in my experience, what I experienced too, in Vatican two, is that when you would teach or preach, you know, as I as I did the the Catholic faith, uh, as it always has been taught, you're going to get you're going to, you're the one that's going to get kind of persecuted. Not necessarily the more liberal ones who teach kind of the, you know, anything goes and, you know, this is, uh, and they, they'll often couch the terms in, oh, we have to be pastoral, we have to be, you know, basically meaning that we have to be open to everyone and everyone's ideas. You can kind of believe what you want. So it is. it is, it's, you have that dichotomy between the conservatives and the liberals, which is, Again, a sure sign that that's not the church because it's to be the first mark is to be one, meaning you're united in your doctrines, you're united in your worship, you're united in your government. And so, you know, when you have all these kind of differences, again, even just in the literature itself, you can go into a no sort church on this one block. And the uh, liturgy will look something, maybe it's more liberal, you have, you know, maybe little liberal things, you know, like liturgical dancers, what have you, what or you, whatever you want to, you know, envision. And then you can go a block over to the next Novus Church, the same day, with the same, you know, uh, supposedly the same liturgy, and it looks totally different. Um, some of the elements may be still there, but it's totally different. So where is the unity there? And so, you kind of have to look at the, you can look at the effects of things, and then you have to go back again to look and say, okay, what is the, you know, the underpinning, the underpinning doctrine and dogmas? And so, if it's to be one, then it has to be united with, you know, in everything. But it's really ultimately chaos within Vatican II.
1: It's interesting watching who was against Benedict before and is for francis now and vice versa
0: right yes you see you know but that's the it kind of boils down and in, in, in to you know our political system in, in our country is you know you basically it's it's very much like that is that you have conservatives and you have liberals and so you have a conservative a more conservative quote-unquote president who comes in and all the you know conservatives are you know okay great we can do something and then The liberals are all mad, and and then you get elected a liberal, more liberal president or what have you, and then the liberals are happy, and then the conservatives are mad. And so it's very, that sort of thinking and that sort of understanding really is what many within the Novus Ordo have come to ultimately be taught, is that, you know, basically some things we can, you know, if it's a liberal pope, we can have, you know, we can have like Francis now, look and say oh he's really liberal he's really you know out there well he's he's just the same as benedict they're all the same it's just a different face to what they teach which is you have to then go to again what does vatican two teach and and i know i'm sure you're probably i know um, um uh, bishop sambor has a very good article i think on his uh, blog uh you know this francis is not the problem i mean it's not you because know, people will look and look to Francis and say, Well, if we just get a conservative hope in there, quote unquote, then everything will be fine. Well no, I mean, he's just the face of the problem. You have to look at what is being taught and they've all taught the same thing. It's just one's more vocal or more in your face or than the others have been, but you, you kinda have to look and say what is, you know, behind The things that they say, and I'll give you, you know, one example is that, you know, people are looking to uh, uh, Benedict somehow as you know he's he's this you know very conservative. I I was fooled in a sense when I was in um, Vatican II too when he came out with his motu proprio and you know releasing the um, Latin mass and I was all you know happy about that, but you know, it was it was uh um, a really under- misunderstanding on, on our parts because if one of the things we had to study in our seminary in theology, uh, we had to use his book, Principles of Catholic Theology, which was he wrote in, in 1982, and we were just talking about truth before. And this is what he says about truth. And I as I look back and I and I look this up and I and I, I do remember this, being taught this. This is what Benedict had said about truth. He says truth becomes a function of time. Fidelity to yesterday's truth consists precisely in abandoning it, abandoning it in assuming it into today's truth. So, in other words, what he's saying is that truth changes, that truth changes with time. That's meaning that that ultimately the the Church must change and change her dogmas and doctrines, and everything can change so that that unity of one or the marks of the church then must then change with everything else and so you know it it's again that they're very clever often in what they what they do um but you know then you begin to have different camps within the church, and they say no truth doesn't change, yes, truth changes, and so again you have you have a division that is there. So the one, again, is, is all you have to do is the first mark is, is okay, well, that's, that's not there. And if, it's not, if the marks aren't there, then that can't be the church.
1: We would like to remind you that you're listening to Escape from the Novus Ordo on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Jason Gordiano, and I am joined by Father Michael Oswald. And today we've been discussing the Novus Ordo versus Roman Catholicism, four marks of the Novus Ordo. We want to remind you that Escape from the Novus Ordo is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to you mail at truerestoration.org. Father, how is the Roman Catholic Church holy, and how does the Novus Ordo sect define itself as holy?
0: Well, the Church uh, has always taught, of course, the mark of, of holy is that our Lord intended his church, the Catholic Church, to be to be holy, and so the true church then it must be holy. In other words, it must teach a a holy doctrine in, in faith and morals, uh, because our Lord, its founder, is is holy, and so it it then must provide the means then for its for uh, her members, the church's members, to to then lead a holy life, and so. You're looking at, of course, the founder of the church, which is, of course, our Lord, so he's obviously God, and he is holy. And so that is then everything then that that he has taught and given is then comes from that holiness. And so all the dogmas and doctrines are there for the salvation of the faithful, for the sanctification and salvation of the faithful. And so to provide that holy doctrine and faith and morals is, is what means to be holy and that's the the mark of 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 the true church now the back and true church teaches uh, similarly in in regards to that that of course they recognize that that it's holy and so is because it comes from our lord and that's okay that's because that's good but then the language that is used in and in, in the catechism of of the novus ordo it begins to touch on things of the that the church, again, finds the, the fullness of the means of salvation there. And it, it kind of bleeds into the understanding, again, of, of ecumenism, that false ecumenism, that to say that the, church, the Catholic Church has the fullness of the means of salvation means what they're saying or implying is that somehow then there are other means that aren't the fullness, but there's still means out there of salvation outside the church well again that's that's what the church has never taught the church has never taught that the, the the Catholic church is the sole means of salvation it it doesn't there is no fullness of the truth It it is the truth I and mean, then it is the understanding of the um, the giving of the means of salvation there's, there's, the, there's the dogma of the church there's no salvation outside the church And so that's the the understanding of of being holy in that regard, is that it has to then have the holiness of doctrine. And you see that with, you can look and say, well, how does that play out? Or how can one see the, the holiness of the Catholic Church? Because you can look then and say, of course, the founder, of course, is our Lord, and so it's holy. But then the church, then it teaches the highest and holiest doctrine to her children, a, a standard of of perfection to achieve. And so it's the uh, and then from there is that you begin to see the the life of the Catholic from those dogmas and doctrines being taught through grace <clears throat> makes that then person uh begins to you know become themselves that soul holy that sanctification of the soul, and so that's why you have saints and martyrs in the church in that regards is that it is it is that that's understanding that the changing the sense of the soul to to be of course like our Lord, the imitation of our Lord and of the founder of of being holy and so it is you look and say, well, all the then the saints that we've seen that the church has had. Has been formed by this same holy, the same doctrines, same dogmas that have been um, given to us, and and they're all been formed by that same. One. And they're all, you know, are saints in heaven because not not of their own selves, but by the grace of God, by the cooperation of the grace of God, by cooperating with those things given to them by the from the holiness of our Lord through His Church. And so, you know, you, you have to look then and say, to to be able to correspond with that grace, to be able to achieve that holiness, as, as we're called to achieve, you know, then the church herself will begin to impose some things upon her faithful to help with that. And we're, we're in Lent, the season of Lent right now, and the church has always imposed a, a very, uh, in her disciplines, a very strict fast an abstinence, uh many mortifications that we can do uh to to overcome um our passions, to overcome the world of flesh and the devil, to make reparation for our past and to sanctify our souls. And you know, it's it's it, it's not easy per se, um, because our Lord reminds us, you know, we to, to attain heaven we must do violence unto ourselves. We must die to ourselves, take up our cross. And and so we have to work at it. We have to achieve and strive after, or I should say strive after and and strive to achieve the the standard that's put before us. And the church helps us to do that. But if you look at Vatican II, again, what is you've seen in regards to that is really the loosening up of almost all of those things given to us for the sanctification of the faithful, because it's now not necessarily dying to oneself and adhering to the holiness uh, striving after that holiness uh, of, of attaining that it's now basically just uh, um, a, a sort of going along uh, because man now is taking the place uh, of god really and so everything becomes easy is that we don't have to do these things now because what thing is driving between uh, from vatican 2 is that all men are saved. Um, so if we're all saved, then why do I have to fast like I, the church has always done before? Why do I have to do violence into myself? Why do I have to take really up my cross and, and do mortification and all of that? Because I'm already going to heaven. So it's it's the presenting of the understanding that to be holy, you know, we have to strive after it. We have to work at it. Um, and so... You know, that's that's the church has always reminded us that it's holy because our Lord, of course, founded the church, was all holy, because it teaches all those holy doctrines and provides the means of then of leading a holy life, which gives then every, her member, every one of her members a, a chance to not only save one's soul, but to sanctify one's soul and become a great saint. I mean, that's what we're called.
1: I have heard it said in the Novus sect that, that the church has made it quote unquote easier now in this time. And obviously from what you've just said, that, that, uh, no, that's not the purpose of, of this life to, uh, to make it easy, because that's not going to bring us to heaven.
0: Yes. I mean, that's, that's the, again, you know, our Lord reminds us, you know, we have to take up our cross daily. And, you know, one, it's very seductive for our, our concupiscence, you know, our, 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 are our, our weakness, is that we have a tendency, of course, to gravitate towards things that are easy, and, and you know, we we don't we don't necessarily want um, desire to to have things hard for us. But you know, that's 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 the way of the cross, is that we have to take it that upon ourselves. And so it, you're right, is that um, the idea of mortification within uh, Vatican two is, is really is not it's not really not practice. Again to just uh, we're in the holy season of Lent and you know in Vatican two there's only two days that one has to fast in, in Lent. And that's, you know, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Well, the church is we fast every day in Lent. I mean it's my first my first Lent as a as a as a Catholic, a church from Catholic was quite difficult because I was not used to, you know, one fasting every day of Lent except for Sunday, you know, one meal, one main meal a day, is, and and two smaller meals, et cetera. But, you know, that that was after a bit of time that you know that was it was became a little bit more difficult. But um, so, Vatican II has has really made things so uh, easy for the people because it's understood now at least implicitly by, by most, is that, well, everyone's going to heaven now. You know, I mean, that's why you have, like at a funeral uh, in, in Vatican II, you don't wear black, you wear white. Why? Because it's the mass of the resurrection, it's everyone's going to heaven. It's, you know, it's no, in a sense, mourning for that. You know, everyone will say, well, he's in heaven now, he's in heaven now. Well, how, how do you know? Uh, you know, we have to... We have to, uh, you know, keep praying for those souls, and, and so all that is is just a, uh, you know, it, it makes things very easy for for us because it plays right to our concupiscence, and, and that's why, you know, even Protestants, um, you know, it's it's very seductive to say, yes, I, I take Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and then I'm good to go. I can do what I want. Then, well. Doesn't work that way. It's not
1: what our Lord said. Yes, uh, very sad now with uh, the lack of prayers for the souls that go to purgatory now with this change in practice. Now, the third mark of the church, the Roman Catholic Church, is Catholic. Versus, how does a Nova sort of sect define itself as Catholic?
0: Well, the uh, in the true church, of course, in the Catholic Church, is that the word Catholic, of course, always means universal. In other words that it, it 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 has existed in in all ages since the time of Christ and teaches all peoples of every nation the same faith wherever wherever one goes getting used to prior to Vatican II, in whatever country whatever place, even if it would be the most remote of places is that they would off they would still find the Catholic Church there i mean there would be uh, a missionary that have gone through there, or um, and everywhere it taught them the same doctrines and has ruled the same. Again, so it is that that the church is Catholic universal. We understand it. it's it's wherever it exists, it must then have the mark then of, of of unity. So there's a, a that the church teaches them the same doctrine to all to all men. It, you know, there's no changing of doctrines to to fit. A certain circumstance, or to change a certain country, and you know, changing that—it's universal. So, and it's also, of course, destined to last, and again, for all time. So, it'll teach all nations the the, the truth uh, of God, um, you know, till the end of time. It'll never fail in that. Now, the. Um, With Vatican II, again, they do still retain, of course, the Catholic being universal, but again, what's behind often that is that that universal is that sort of ambiguous, like one is sort of ambiguous that somehow everyone is then a part of this Catholic with a small c um, belonging together as sort of one family, as a human family, so to speak, I guess you could say. You know, John Paul II was, wrote volumes on, in a sense, on, on this: is that we're all united in that way. Well, yes, of course, we're all created by God, but yet there's differences in regards to what is being believed. Is that so? What's behind Vatican II again? Is is you have to you look at the the ecumenism there, which is the sort of ambiguous. This Church of Christ is ambiguous. So then, somehow everyone is then belonging to the same one, one holy, universal, you know, Catholic. Um, somehow, in, in some ambiguous way, well, that is that is not, uh, you know, the understanding of the Church. The uh, has always taught is that, you know, it, it's yes, universal Catholic, universal, meaning that it's everywhere. It's been taught it's the same everywhere. There's no again. Um, differences allowed, per se you can say. It's that sort of Catholic in a more general way without acknowledging the fact that it's the Catholic Church that is the uh, universal giver of truth. Somehow then others can do the same. Somehow they have a mandate to preach the truth here or there, etc., what have you, rather than solely within the Catholic Church. And so there's, again, you'll find within Vatican too. there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of, you know, kind of gray, you can say, areas and things. And, and so people can look at it in whatever way and suits whatever agenda they may have.
1: Yes, that's always been a disturbing part when you can't seem to get a grip of what the Novus sect teaches and that all the answers are, we're not sure, or we don't know, or, or we'll have to... Uh, Further develop that. It, it's a relief then to read read about the true faith and and have it explicitly said. What what is it that the Catholic Church believes and teaches?
0: Right. It is a. Uh, it is like I, like I, I said before. I you mean, know, our faith is. You know, it's it's not rocket science in a certain respect. I mean, it is clear. It is it is logical. It is it flows and and it is. It either is or it isn't. I mean, obviously there's certain things that one, like in, in certain moral matters, maybe that one could have uh, um, applied in, in a specific way with a confessor, et cetera. But, you know, as far as dogmas and doctrines, it is It either it is or it isn't. I mean, there's, you know, with faith, uh, it's either you know, one must believe or if one doesn't believe all and, and every, then you're not Catholic. It's it is it takes the because um, one thing you often will hear in Vatican doing, again this is one of those general questions you kind of have to ask yourself why is it that there are so many um, novus ordo you know apologists and and always trying to explain well this is what the Pope meant or this is what You know this really meant, or this is what the well. Why does it take so many people to try to explain what should have been clear to begin with? And so that's always should be a a red flag um, in regards to things of faith. Um, Now, to understand it more deeply and more thoroughly, certainly Suri can use look to other things, but just the basic concepts of things. Why does it take? Why do I have to? Have someone tell me? Well, this is what Francis has really, really said. When you know, I try to explain, and this is what he really meant. Well, no, I mean he kind of said what he meant when he said it.
1: The fourth mark of the Catholic Church is apostolic. How is uh, the Catholic Church apostolic, and how does the Nova Soto Church claim to be apostolic, Father? Well, the the Church has
0: always taught that when why the Catholic Church is apostolic. Because the Catholic Church is apostolic because it was founded by Christ and the Apostles and according to His divine will. And has always then been governed by the, the, the lawful successors of that. And so, you know, you see that basically the it's the holding upon everything that we believe, all the the, not only, of course, the Holy Orders, but the doctrines and missions from the apostles in other words what the apostles taught is what is the the church has always taught and always will teach there's you cannot change um what the apostles have have what our lord gave the apostles and then what um taught then to the end of time and so you know that's the understanding of the church and if you if you notice with every four mark of the church is is that the underpinning is is that nothing changes. The church does not change. You know, nothing is. It's it's all uh, coming from God. Coming from our Lord, and it's, you cannot change that. Um, and so, all those four marks are just a, a restating of that in in a, in a more uh, kind of a different in a different way. But nonetheless, the underpinnings are the same. So, when it's the church is apostolic, it means that. Not only was it founded by our Lord on the apostles, but it has always been everything that the apostles have taught is being still taught by the church to the end of time. And so that is something, too, that ultimately Vatican II does say. For the most part, they they acknowledge that apostolic means it comes from the apostles. That, and they do say it that it is from the teachings of the apostles well again, what they say, but then in practice what is then what is being taught is different because if that was true, if they really believe, or they if they actually they themselves have contradicted themselves, because if they and they do say that it's the teaching of the apostles, well, do the apostles teach that again one can worship a Catholic can worship with heretics, or can or does does the have the apostles teach that other religions are a means of salvation and sanctification, or do the apostles teach <clears throat> that the Catholic Church subsists within the Church of Christ somehow? Well, no, they never taught that. So, in of itself, Vatican II and and the understanding of Vatican II, they've Contradicted themselves, and they've just now um, they've they've even denied that they have that mark, even by their own words. Because all one has to look is what is being taught, um, and it is it is not the faith of the apostles. It is it is actually the opposite of the faith of the apostles.
1: Yes, and, and Father, earlier you meant uh, the Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church. I think you said it the opposite.
0: Oh, right. right, Sorry. Yes.
1: Father, the church being apostolic in origin, does that mean that it also has the power to change its sacraments?
0: No. uh, That's, uh, you know, our Lord gave the apostles the seven sacraments. And so you cannot change what our Lord has given. And so, you know, the church in her rights can change some, things it can change some of her own laws it can change some of the church's laws some and things of maybe of canon law or even change a little bit some of the um um, disciplines and sense but it cannot change what is divine law what is what is given to us directly from our lord in regards to um and the sacraments is, is one is is that is that one cannot change uh the sacraments you know so it is the church has no power to do that, so one cannot meddle with the sacraments. And as you, as we, I mean, anyone can see, is that the sacraments have been changed in the Novus Ordo. Is that they'll try and say, "Oh no, the essences of there is the same," but no. If you actually do a comparison side by side of the rites of the sacraments, it is quite strikingly different. And not just uh, not just the externals as they may say but actually the substance of things have changed and so the church has no power to do that um, and that's something that's uh, uh you know it is uh, another just uh, another sign um that's the vatican ii is it's although claims to be the catholic church but it can't it cannot be um because it's it does not have, the Church doesn't have the power to change what is truth or what has been given of divine law. Um it can't. It's an impossibility.
1: Father, so we can't just, in the Novus Ordo, trust that God will fill in anything that's been changed or that's missing, such as maybe the exorcism prayers at baptism or or the change in Episcopal consecration and in holy order? Holy Orders, can we just offer that up as God will fill in the rest? Yeah, well,
0: it, it doesn't work that way, no. Um, obviously, God is not bound by the sacraments himself, but he's God. The sacraments are made for men. And so he has given us specific uh, guidelines, specific forms, specific matter and intention that that one must have to be a... Sacraments, and to give you an example, is that say you go to someone who claims to be a you know who's a pre who claims to be a priest but has not been ordained, and you go to confession to him, and then and does that mean that somehow God's going to provide that your confession is going to be valid, even though that person is not a priest? Well, no, it doesn't work that way unless one has perfect contrition. Then then you know it, it takes the the uh um, the order of the priest to be able to forgive sins i mean that's part of the consecrate or the uh um, ordination of a priest is, is you're given that power so one cannot just wish for things like that that somehow the church will supply with that well no it doesn't necessarily work that way so certain things uh you know we have to uh that uh, the church you know, they're very specific in, and and the sacraments are, you know, are one. It has to have the form, the matter, and the intention. Um, but obviously, one has to be, for obviously, a priest to be able to give the sacraments, etc. So there's, you know, things like that one cannot change. Um, so man is bound by by that. God, of course, is not, but one cannot presume upon. Somehow God's going to supply when He's already has supplied for it by the sacraments by giving them to begin with, and so we abide by that, and then henceforth then we have what we need for our sanctification and salvation
1: of uh, Father, then what sacraments in the Nova sort of sect are still the sacraments?
0: Well, one can look um at baptism as church has always taught that even. Anyone, in the case of emergency, can baptize. So one can look at if there's the proper matter and the proper form and the intention. That's uh, you know the baptism uh, certainly could be valid uh, in that regard. Oftentimes that uh, coming from the Novus Ordo, just uh, because you had many things have uh, gone on to where even the form has been changed by you know many of the. Priest, within they'll say something different. I've heard, I've heard many things. I've heard, uh, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Creator, the uh, Redeemer, and the Sanctifier. Well, you're not baptized. So that's not the worst proper um, form. So sometimes you you, uh, you have where that uh, someone comes from the North order to the traditional Catholic Church, the True Church, is that there, there'll be a condition of the baptize just for for that sake. But baptism certainly could be valid. Um, Matrimony could be as well. Is that the? That's the sacraments that um, the couples actually provide the form of the matter and the intention for the sacraments. That the priest is the witness of that for the church. So if one is, has the right proper understanding and, and, and believes, you know, in a sense that what they're they're being married although erroneously, but then being married within what they think is a Catholic church, then you know, marriage uh, is certainly. Uh, could be valid in that regards, and, but again, is that I think most uh, traditional priests will um, at least bless one's uh, marriage when they come over, but they'll still be considered married. But outside of that, the other sacraments require a true priest, a, a true bishop. Um, so it is uh, at best, of course, you know, one one has to look and say you know, that they've changed, they've meddled with the sacraments themselves, making them utterly, really, void of their sacramental character, uh, other than baptism and and matrimony. So, it's a, you know, it's a precarious situation that the the modernists have provided for um, the faithful, or the the people who who want to be Catholic in an assorto.
1: What are the consequences of the change in 1968 by Paul VI of the form of Episcopal consecration?
0: Well, the consequences ultimately would be is that if you don't have bishops, true bishops, they obviously then cannot ordain true priests. And so the consequence is that you have now um, within the Novus Ordo is that all those who were uh, ordained like I was in the new rites by a, a bishop who was installed with the new rites of and not consecrated in the old rites by a true bishop then basically were a bunch of laymen ultimately you know and that's a, again that's a that's a tough thing to um grasp or at least to it was it was for me as one who was to be uh, you know I was quote unquote ordained in the Nos order as well. And you know, I for a while I was assuming I was a priest. And that's a that's that's difficult to 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 deal with when you're beginning to realize I'm not. And um so the consequence ultimately is going to be is that right now I mean, most of the, the true bishops who are true bishops were who, who are um consecrated prior to Vatican II, is in the old rites, and what's uh, anyone's know, proper form, intention, and matter, and the proper rite. Um they're either all dead or at least retired now. And then now you have some now, uh, older now, who uh, some of the bishops that you see, quote-unquote, within Vatican II now, they may be priests, they may be ordained proper, properly prior to Vatican II, but they're not bishops because they were installed in the new rite. And then from there, you have, you know, beginning to have very, very few of those true priests. And so basically, we're having, well, ultimately a a, a lay church, basically.
1: And that's a uh, scary thought, Father. You can read more about this issue in an article by Father Anthony Chicotta, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, called Absolutely Null and Utterly Void. Uh, Father, when you... Came to tradition. What sacraments did you have to uh, receive? Truly,
0: well, I would say I I had. uh, I was actually baptized properly because I was. uh, I was. I'm old enough to where I was baptized. uh, You know, uh, properly in that. But that. But my confirmation certainly was not. It was. uh, I was confirmed in the novus ordo by a. a bishop, quote unquote, who was installed in the new rites. Um, so I had to, to be confirmed, and then of course restart uh, my um, all my ordinations. I mean, I had because in the in Vatican II there is no uh, orders anymore other than deacon, deacon, and then priest. But of course, you know, you have all the other orders that were that uh, were rejected by Vatican II, but I had to go through all those um, as well, the minor orders and then into the major orders. So I had to go
1: through everything from confirmation uh, all, all the way up for that. Uh, Father, after all these comparisons, what does the Roman Catholic Church guide us to do? Well, she guides us,
0: as she always has, um, is to cling fast, Uh, to our Lord, to what he has always taught, cling fast into the bosom of Holy Mother Church by, by, you know, as as clinging to all that has been given before. And as St. Paul so prophetically had said, you know, even if an angel would come down from heaven and teach you something different, do not believe him, but believe what our Lord has taught and what the church has always taught. And so she, Holy Mother Church has always encouraged and not just encourage, but demanded of her children at least um, is to study her your study the faith, to know the faith, but more importantly is to live the faith as best as one can, and and especially now, um, you know, with uh, the situation we are in with the church today, is that while we're as far as traditionalists go, as the Condes, is what we're doing, is we are cleaning fast to what has always been taught, we're not adding anything new not deleting anything that has always been taught we're just holding fast and doing what we know to be the the path to holiness the path to salvation because all we have to look and see is what every saint and martyr has been formed on has been formed in the mass the 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 sacraments the, the all the doctrines and dogmas that we are standing on their shoulders and we're just holding fast and and following in our lord's footsteps and following in their footsteps which is of course following in our lord's footsteps so you know that's what holy mother church uh has always exhorted her children uh to do to um you know human respect not look to uh trying to find you know the the loopholes the easy ways in a sense but to follow the path of our Lord, which is following as we're following in Lent, as we're following Him to where? To Calvary, to take up our cross every day, um, to strive to live our faith as as best as we can each and every day, and strive to increase our love for our Lord, for our neighbor, and to to do all that our Lord asks us to do and present ourselves to His will. And that's, that's what we're striving to do every day. Thank you, Father.
1: Looking back at life in the Novus Ordo, there's those moments that you got a glimpse of something being wrong, and that you wanted to do something to honor our Lord or you know to follow the Catholic faith, but then you were told that doesn't matter, or you don't have to do that, or you don't have to kneel. Is there one point in your life in the Vatican II Church that uh, that comes to mind right now uh, concerning what we've been discussing today?
0: Well, one point that that struck home for me is that uh, as I
1: was in the
0: parish after I was, you know, ordained within Vatican II and I was in the parish and I strove to preach and teach well basically, you know, everything that the church has has taught and believed and, and you know, from the Baltimore Catechism, from all of that. And I would preach like I preach now, I would preach the truth, you know, and things of dogma and doctrine and Things of spirituality as well, and I'd be getting a lot of, uh, of course, resistance and a lot of um, persecution, um, not only from the lay people, but even most, even more so from the pastor and from you know the, my bishop, etc. And so uh, many times I was called into the office of the bishop or my pastor, and, and you know they were always kind of you know. Why are you doing this? Why, you know, why, uh, you know, well, I'm just preaching what the church has taught. And then I got, one day I I was just so flustered. I just said to the pastor, I just told him, I said, I just want to be a faithful son of the church. And the pastor, and which often sometimes modernists will slip up or will sometimes blatantly say, and he said to me directly, he says, well, which church are you trying to be faithful to? the one prior to Vatican II or Vatican II? and that was a light bulb for me. So you're right. There are two churches now. One's Catholic and one's not. So that was my one of my sort of light bulb moments that everything began to coalesce and kind of be made more clear at that point. Um so that certainly was a grace uh, given to me.
1: Yes. Uh as we close out this episode, we have covered beginning the research, the four marks of the Novus Ordo versus the four marks of the Roman Catholic Church, and uh, the circumstances now of the sacraments. And I want to thank Father Oswald for his time and being with us in this episode. Is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out the episode, Father?
0: Well, just basically, I guess there's a, when one begins to look, serious to look, to be of good will, to look in and and begin to compare and contrast you're going to have you're going to one's going to have to make a choice uh, and have to come to a a conclusion and the first is really that if you begin to see that yes there are new things being taught that's never been taught before there are you know new understandings of this or new sacraments and new and and you accept that well then you're accepting then you must admit then that that's a new church It can't be the catholic church you have to come to that that conclusion, then you must accept, and it's a new religion. Or if you say that Vatican II, yes, it did give error, or did uh, you know teach error, or pronounce error, but yet I have a right to resist it, or I can resist and resist that. Well, then what ultimately, if you come to that conclusion, then what you're saying then is that you're denying then the the um, infallibility of the Church. You're devi- den- denying the indefectibility of the Church. That somehow. You know, Satan has then, the gates of hell have prevailed because the, the, you're saying that the air, that the church, which is, is given error. But if you then come, begin to look and say, wait a minute, if you begin to understand that the church cannot give error, it cannot give anything that is as it cannot change doctrines or dogmas, then you have to say, then the Vatican II then cannot be the church. And then you have to say, then, because then you begin to, to keep then the dogmas and doctrines of infallibility, of indefectibility, of the papacy. And so, you know, that's the conclusions eventually that one's going to have to come to and, and have to reconcile. And so that's where the study and the prayer, especially, uh, will come will come in.
1: Thank you, Father. Um, how is life at uh, St. Benedict's?
0: Very well. Uh, it's going very well. Um, you know, the people are, are very, uh, uh, very holy and, and, and uh, very generous. And uh, my uh, my three dogs are enjoying themselves immensely in the nice yard that we have at the church.
1: So. And the website is st-benedict-hsv.org. Well, once again, Father Oswald, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next month as we continue this series. God bless you.
0: Okay. Thank you. God bless you.
1: If you have any questions from Father Michael Oswald or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at escape at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to Father Oswald. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us are strictly confidential. We would like to thank the sponsor of this show, noasortowatch.org. All of us here at Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy, such as Father Michael Oswald, who will help make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray.